Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Well, Brian Kelly, yesterday, June 6th, was the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of the Blues just waltzing right into Boston and pulling out a victory 2-1. to one. And in doing so, they took a 3-2 lead in the Stanley Cup Final with a chance to win it all back home. Now, think about that, what that would have been like Not that it would have been any more special because winning the Stanley Cup was special, but to win it in your own building. Yeah. Boston, to their credit, I mean, they came in, handed it to the Blues five to one. What were you feeling after? And that, by the way, was on June 9th. So we're still a couple days away Mm -hmm. from not that we would celebrate that anniversary. What were you feeling at that point when the Blues and Bruins were now tied three, three going back to Boston? And it wasn't just a one goal loss. They got thumped pretty good five to one. How were you feeling at that point? I still felt confident because the Blues had played so well on the road and being home in that situation with the atmosphere around you where everybody was so ready to celebrate. And I think the Blues were probably feeling pretty good about things. I, I was not surprised at all that Boston won game six. And I was confident heading into Boston for Game 7. I felt exactly the same way. This team, that was what they were all about all year, was winning mm-hmm. on the road, fighting against adversity, worst team in the league in January, fought their way back. A lot of it was on the road. And they go into Boston on June 12th. So it's going to be, uh, what, Friday, this coming Friday, that we will be celebrating that unbelievable day. Game 7, they go into Boston and win the Stanley Cup. It's just incredible. And when I think about it, of course, the the images that come into my head, Zach Sanford scoring the goal that put the Blues up by three Mm -hmm. was when I had this feeling go through my body that I hadn't felt in sports and maybe ever. Yeah. I thought this is happening. I know it was hard to believe. It's still hard to believe Jordan. And I just got it again. Just saying it. Jordan Bennington's (laughs) saves. And mm-hmm. saving the day for them. Can you imagine if you're the Bruins, you go into the dressing room, and Jordan Bennington has basically just stolen a couple of goals from you, at least. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I-, I don't know. 
I just don't know what. You get that feeling. It's just not your night. And then the Blues brought it. I also yeah. think about Petro raising the cup with the sparks behind him. It's mm-hmm. just an incredible picture. But I think about Bob Plager touching that cup and raising it. I think of Jay Bomeister being the first player that received the cup and raising mm-hmm. it. I think about Craig Berube's speech, that little speech <laughs> with the F word right before they go, uh, uh, several uh, F words, right before yes. they go out, uh-huh. is just amazing. Like, every time I see it, I want to run through a wall. I and, guess. you know, yesterday I, I saw a tweet from somebody in Boston who was, you know, complaining about the Achari non-call where he got knocked down, Noel Achari, and the Blues score right after that. And I replied to him. I said, you know, the Blues got robbed against San Jose and never looked back. That's how you handle that adversity. Don't whine, you know. No. Come on, you got to get over it. That stuff happens. And and the, the Blues handled it in the perfect way. Craig Brewer would be saying, I don't want to hear anybody talk about the hand pass. It's over, it's done. And they went on in what, what uh, I think seven and three after that? One hundred percent. And that's how you handle it. You don't whine, oh, they shouldn't have scored because the referees, you know, and it's like, too bad. That's Move right. On. He kept that team focused. He didn't let them dwell on it. He knew that the media would go ahead and do that for him. Yep. And uh, he went on and guided this team to a Stanley Cup. It's incredible. I actually was thinking about it the other day. I drove past Obi Clark's on Brentwood. And oh, yeah. Man, <laughs> I remember uh, that next morning, the next day, so it all just sort of runs together. But mm-hmm. I did the show here, and then I picked my daughters up at camp at the MAC at 4 o'clock, and I said, hey, do you want to see the Stanley Cup? And they're like, what are you talking about? They just won it last night. And I'm like, I know where it is. Uh, and I had seen on social media the, the people were starting to gather. Mm-hmm. The players had brought it to Obi Clark's, and they were out on the patio. We yep. live very close to there. So I took them around back, parked the car, and we stood sort of on the outskirts of this crowd that started to grow as the guys raised the cup, passed it to each other, and, uh, you know, the party was on. Brought it out to the crowd. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko handing it to, uh, I think it was a young man in a, in a wheelchair, if mm-hmm. I remember right. And, uh, yeah, it was just ab- I was at the arena the next morning when the players were starting to go home. And Vlad comes out, and he gets out of the vehicle, and there's about 15, 16 people there. And he's like, hey, I, I really want to go home and see my, my newborn, but first, everybody line up, I'll get a picture with you. <laughs> and then you're like, no, you can go, you know, and it was yeah. just amazing. And and all the players coming out, signing autographs. Joel Edmondson came out a couple of times, uh, and it was just just amazing. Very, very special moment in time. So imagine that. One year ago this week, the Blues were now up 3-2 in the Stanley Cup final. As the series goes, they win it in seven in Boston. Amazing to think back and incredible year it's been. I think a lot of us are I would speak for a lot of people who are still kind of tired from that celebration. <laughs> that, was a, that was a long one, buddy. It was. It was. But it was awesome. No question about it. Uh, Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, would like to go through a year of celebrating. I'll tell you that. But right now, it's anything but in Major League Baseball. The players and owners are very far apart right now. We'll get his thoughts on baseball. We'll also tell some baseball stories. The Cardinals manager is with us for a full hour every Sunday. And it's always great to hear his voice. That's coming up. We'll also have Jackie Joyner-Kersey. The six-time Olympic medalist joined me on my Garage Happy Hour on Thursday. She was wonderful. We spoke on a number of subjects that are very important to our society right now, and that is coming at 11.05.
And then at 11.30, we'll jump back to baseball with John Moselock. And at noon, it's Game 5 of the 2006 NLCS. This series, you look back at that series, speaking of ups and downs, Cardinals lost the first one 2 to nothing. had zero answer for Tom Glavin. Then the second game, they jump all over the Mets, and they find a way to win on the Sotoguchi home run to put them up in the ninth, 7-6. They win at 9-6. Game three back in St. Louis, Cardinals shut them out. Jeff Supon, 5 nothing. Game four, the Mets come roaring back. They win 12-5. to They look great. But in game five, and that is today, I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't or doesn't remember, but I'll just say it's the Chris Duncan game. Mm-hmm. And we miss him very boy, much. And boy, does he come through. So that's... Today at noon, it's coming up. Cardinal baseball right here on KMOX. Coming up next, though, is Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. Very delighted that you've joined us here this morning. We are so glad that you do between 10 and 12. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX continues right after this. The following is a special presentation of sports on a Sunday morning. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Great to have you along on the show. It's 1017, and Cardinals manager Mike Schilt is with us. I'm Tom Ackerman. Mike, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing great. Always great to talk some ball with you, and we will do that. Tell a few baseball stories, as always. Touch on the 2020 club and hope that there is a 2020 season. We'll get into that as well. And uh, I just uh, always tell you, I think these two hours are very therapeutic. What uh, your hour and then the second hour just to be able to sit down and talk some sports. We need it, and we also uh, have been through a lot here in the last few weeks. This has been a, a difficult time in our country, although when I see peaceful protests, uh, me personally, it does uh, feel like uh, there is some promise, and I just wanted to get your emotions before we get started in talking some baseball about uh, what you felt over the last week as we witness our country uh, protesting the death of George Floyd. Yeah, you know what? Um, It's just a... I've been blessed to grow up um, in an environment where I didn't really see a lot of color, but um, I did see injustice. um, And I've tried my best to have the courage to stand for it. Um, And uh, and I feel like I've been able to do that in my own private way. And, uh, you know, I just... It just hurts my heart, quite honestly, that um, that we still have it. It myths me, quite honestly, um, but it's just so deep-seated that it's been carried on, like a lot of things that are divisive, um, sometimes in, in families or heritages and, and societies. And, um, you know, it's just disappointing we can't shake it, and it's still deep-rooted in some cases. And I have seen some growth in it. Um, you know, I don't, again, I don't really see people's skin. I just see people. Um, I do like what I hear about really, you know, just listening and just get it out of yourself. I think empathy is a word that I don't think has been used a lot um, in this last week. And it's something you learn to have, at least I did as I got older in life. Um, try to be empathetic, see the other person's view, um, and try to listen to other people. I think it's one of the skills that are probably the, the most underrated that, you know, people talk about communication and listening is probably the biggest the biggest part of it. And, um, you know, I don't think people listen enough to or really take the time to find out or ask the questions to listen um, and really put themselves in that empathetic position of where people are coming from and what their viewpoints are. 
and um, what they actually really experience and what they have to live with. Uh, I can't ultimately relate to it. You know, you say you try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and, um, you know, that's the best thing you can do is try. And the best way you can do is listen to somebody and, and figure out where they come from and how they got here and what they're saying and how they're saying it. And, and just actually, cause if you really listen, they'll tell you what they want. And, you know, I don't think we've listened enough um, in our society to the plight of, of, of African-American people over the years and, and other, other cultures as well. So, um, you know, my hope is we just listen more and I'm also a move forward kind of guy. I don't, I'm not a big rear view mirror. Um, you know, clearly what's happened has happened. We learned from the past, but my encouragement is that we can all move forward, educate ourselves and, and just be, uh, I do believe everybody inherently has some goodness to them um, and, and wants to do the right thing. And, and my hope is everybody and my prayer is everybody can just move forward and, and continue to treat people well and, and um, be colorblind. Uh, very nice sentiments, and uh, certainly appreciate that very much. Uh, you are, one of your players, Dexter Fowler, uh, has said a few things on social media, and one of them has said, uh, I'll remember your silence for the rest of my life. Businesses, friends, neighbors, teammates, current and former, silence is not okay, he said. Now is a good time to go out of your way to tell the world you stand by black lives. You don't get to love me and not love all black lives. He's using his platform to make a statement, Mike, and encouraging others to do the same. Yes, and um, I think that's, I echo that, and, and I think that's a reasonable way of looking at it. Well, I appreciate your thoughts uh, very much to start the show, and uh, we also are really missing baseball, Mike. I mean, I, I am, uh, at this point, when I think about the game of baseball and the beauty of it, I miss it more than ever, but I, again, I understand the business aspect. I just worry about it. I worry about the game when it's not being played and the longer that we go. How, how do you feel about it? And I know that this is a position that you're in where you can't, uh, you can't change it and, and you can't take a side either. But how are you doing right now and what do you see for the game of baseball? Well, you know, it's... Um... I'm optimistic. I've said it, and I still believe it. And I'm not a blind optimist. Um, potentially been accused of that in the past, and and I can I can accept that um, to some degree. Um, I choose to be optimistic, um, but I'm also a realist. I think I, I need to be in my job, um, and and pretty good self evaluator and evaluator of how things are. And, um, I do believe there's there, I'm comfortable and confident both sides are motivated motivated to play. Without getting into the inertia of it, I understand both both positions. Um, and support them. You know, I, I just understand it, and I see points on both sides that make sense. Um, and I do see a, a place for common grounds. To your point, what can I do about it? Not a whole lot. Um, not a whole lot. And and uh, just continue to prepare to to play and support our guys. And um, but I do think on some level, you know, when or how much, I'm not sure. But we'll be playing baseball again, and I can tell you from a baseball front our, our guys our players our staff are are very engaged and dedicated to staying ready yeah that's the thing is that with all this uncertainty you do have a job to do you're the manager of the cardinals how do you get yourself prepared in case this green light does turn on because we don't know when that's going to happen it could happen tomorrow could happen today could happen in two days yeah. right that's right i mean you know that's the thing about it and i've said this before on the show is um you know, you don't know how, unfortunately, in our business, negotiations are done in, in 
somewhat in public. I mean, clearly they're not done in public, but the, 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 you know, back and forth gets public somehow. Um, and, and that's a, that's a hard place to be when you're negotiating in a, in a public spectrum. Um, but I do feel like that to your point of when that can happen, I mean, it can happen quickly. Um, it can continue to delay. I mean, it, it clearly has gone slower than probably anybody would, would like, but for the, for, but that's the way it's supposed to have gone. And, um, but to your point, it could, you know, it could, it could happen quick. Um, either way, we're ready and um, excited about the poverty, you know, us getting back to baseball. I love hearing the stories of Colton Wong and reading them. Also, the Post-Dispatch had a couple of good ones about Colton Wong working out and doing so here in St. Louis and getting himself ready. And uh, it's it's just fun to hear somebody talking about the game, about uh, the work that he's doing to get himself back. And I know that there are players all over that are doing that exact thing, Mike. Uh, just without, uh, we don't need to go through the entire roster, but give us a sort of a, an overview of what your guys are doing at this point on June 7th to get ready for a possible spring training 2.0. Yeah, we had a contingency in St. Louis. I'll be there today. Um, you know, we were under pre-spring training regulations that um, baseball has put out and, and local municipalities that we need to follow and respect, which we are. Um, but you got Wayne Owen, KK, and um, DeYoung, and Colton, and Tommy Edmond. Harrison uh, is showing up. I think Johnny Gans headed to St. Louis sometime this week um, to, to start his training, resume his training there. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, in general scope, um, you know, our guys are pitchers are, you know, we have weekly calls with them, um, weekly Zoom calls. And, uh, you know, Mad Dog and Gertie, Brian Evers Gertie, our bullpen coach, and Mike Maddox, our pitching coach, and myself, uh, and Chris Carpenter's on there. We, we just got to take inventory where they are, give them encouragement of what they could be doing. But most all our pitchers are able to get off the mound on some levels, and um, a fair amount of them are able to have some version of, of live you know, hitters, um, they're getting in a couple of bullpens a week and playing catch and taking care of themselves physically. And, <clears throat> excuse me, most position players on their side are, um, you know, just doing their deal and, um, you know, hitting and taking, you know, getting the ground balls and, you know, getting their arms ready and getting their lower half ready as well. So, you know, it's, like I said, it's a dedicated group that's sitting on, on go and um, ready to get going when, when the call comes. Do you think it'll be emotional walking back into Bush Stadium for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. It always is. I mean, for different reasons probably this year. But, you know, I've, I don't take for granted every day I show up in that stadium and, and get there and drive there and appreciate and respect and grateful and, and blessed to be a part of the Cardinals and the role that I'm in. I like to think that when Adam Wainwright faces live hitters, that just a big smile goes across his face before he does that for the first time. You know, he always loves it, but he was the last one to pitch for you, the last one to start for you uh, against the Marlins in spring training. So to have, to hear stories of him throwing the hitters is pretty awesome. Super cool. Um, and you mentioned that passion. I mean, I texted him right after it was over and, you know, he's just a, the one thing that's great about our game. And, and, um, and it's also one thing that I don't believe will be taken away from our game. Um, it's still, it's it's still a child's game. It's still a kid's game, played played in our case by grown men. But um, you know, I, I can tell you that you know Wayno was giddy about being out there, and I talked to Colton right after on his way leaving the stadium, and you could just hear in his voice the, and he actually said it. You know, 
but you could hear it too, just the enthusiasm of being back on that field and in that stadium that's so special. A friend of mine yesterday morning texted a picture of his boys' uh, team, uh, the River Dogs, playing a game, and they're, they're like, let's see, how old are they? Probably 13, 14, playing a baseball game. And after a few hours went by, I texted him. I said, all right, so I need the breakdown. Like, what happened? I need to, I need a report on some live baseball. Give me the story on the doubleheader. And he sent me a detailed, you know, the, they won the first game 7-1. to one. They saved some pitching for elimination play on Sunday, came back, dropped the uh, second game in the afternoon heat 6-4. to four. He broke the game down for me. But, yeah, it's like I need it. I need I need something, you know? Yeah, no doubt. I watched some of the, um, which I thought was well done, the collegiate, um, summer collegiate, you know, invitational, or I'm not sure exactly what they called it, but um, on ESPN, doubleheader on Friday night, and, you know, college kids playing and, you know, get an opportunity to play and show what they can do. It was, it was fun. It is. Uh, the draft is coming up as well. John Mosellock is going to be with us at 1130. We'll talk about that with him and more. Cardinals manager Mike Schultz is with us now. It's 1029. We'll come back, talk some baseball with him when we return on the Mike Schultz Show. I'm Tom Ackerman. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Now, back to the Mike Schultz Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. 10.33, sports on a Sunday morning. Great to have Cardinals manager Mike Schilt as always. Jackie Joyner-Kersey coming up at 11.05, the six-time Olympic medalist. Join me in my garage happy hour, Mike. You were followed by Jackie Joyner-Kersey. Yeah, she was great. She was great. Loving having her in my garage. A new addition to my garage just added uh, a little uh, as an anniversary gift. My wife got me a, a shelf that I put together that I can have all my fishing poles connected on the, the sides of it. And then I have my tackle and nets and everything right there. So if I'm like, you know, if I'm in the mood, I just grab one and go. You know what I mean? Good for you. Yep, I'm with you, brother. Good <laughs> what, for you. Uh, you do any fishing uh, recently? I wouldn't say recently. I've done in a couple of times I've been out. I enjoy it. I don't know what I'm doing, but I love being on the water and, you know, just kind of just feels like a, a tranquil place to be and be able to kind of let go of a little bit of all the, all the inertia in your head sometimes. But uh, I've been a couple of times. I love it. Yeah, I like to think I know what I'm doing. If I use one lure and it it's hitting and everybody's in the bass are hitting it, I feel like, you know, professional. And then I go to another body of water and I'll use the same lure and nobody wants to come near it. So, I mean, it, there's a, you know, you got to do your homework. There's a strategy involved. It's a sport, right? It's a sport. <laughs> yep, it's, it's a sport. Not, not unlike, I mean, there's strategy and, um, you know, there's also some secret, you know, uh, fishing holes that, you know, are held on to like, um, you know, sacred recipes and families for, you know, fried chicken or, um, you know, potato casserole or whatever it might be. So, um I don't know those secrets, but I think it's pretty cool, the, the culture of it. Boy, years ago, I hosted the outdoor show on Sunday night with Bill Seibel, who worked for the Missouri Department of Conservation. And Bill, one day, he said, you know, I have fun doing this show with you. He's like, you like to fish? I said, yeah. He goes, you need to go fishing with me. And he took me to one of these uh, places you're talking about that's like an old secret recipe. And we could not mm -hmm. stop pulling them in. Man, it's just the best yeah, feeling ever. It's real. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, JJK, by the way, was terrific on the show, and she talked about exactly what you and I were talking about last segment, what you had mentioned about listening um, and, and many other things that you'll hear at 11.05, but to listen and to see and to hear. 
And we are going to get into that 11.05 today. By the way, uh, we do have a couple of comments off Twitter. Kevin said uh, to tell you that your comments on listening and hearing one another is great. Uh, he followed up by saying, why can't the players and owners listen to one another and have empathy for the fans? Kind of feel like we covered that in the last segment there, Mike, in that it is, uh, and again, not speaking for you, but it is a business and it is uh, difficult sometimes to see past that. I think that the fans are extremely important to this game and will always be, Mike. And and I know that everybody feels that way. It's just right now, I think, very hard to see two sides not coming together business-wise. Yeah, it's, um, it is hard, and I understand it. And, um, you know, it's to say there's there's not empathy for the fans, I, would, I can understand that perspective. I, I do you know, like you say, it's business, and um, right now, you know, it's a it's a back and forth from a business standpoint, and um, I, I I really strongly feel like that that I think both sides probably the biggest motivating factor, quite honestly, to getting back to playing baseball is the good of the game and, and to the to the spirit of our of our fans, um, and and I, I really believe that's that's what's holding this. Um, negotiation together as much as anything is the people's desire for the game to be played again. And, and, um, you know, we do want our product to be enjoyed by, by our fan base. And, you know, we just continue to, to um, have trust that it'll get done. I don't know when it's going to be, and it's when the time is right, but I still get chills thinking about what that first game in front of fans, in front of a full crowd will be. And because of the COVID-19 pandemic and because of health and safety, we don't know when that is, Mike. But when it is, I believe it will be the most emotionally charged crowd that has ever been in St. Louis or anywhere. Yeah, just so many. I mean, and that's saying something, right? I mean, there's been so many different things that have Baseball has been a part of, and um, and it's and it's gone more than the game itself. When people collect and enjoy or participate in it together, because that's what we do, we do it together. Um, that's the way I view it, and I do think it'll be um, it'll it could you know be borderline overwhelming emotionally. Here's a question from Troy. He says, "Could you ask Mike if there's still any talk of a fall league in Florida and Arizona for minor league players?" Thanks, says Troy. Hey, Troy, that's a good question. I haven't heard anything specific about that recently. Um, I think the primary focus is right now just getting the the major league side figured out. I, I do know that there's, um, and I can't speak to what the number is because it's not official and it's, it's still being agreed upon. So it'd be responsible to to say, but there'll be a, a number that we'll have as our working roster um, that, that you know, and we'll, we'll probably be in a separate place uh, from St. Louis, the ones that aren't after spring training on our active roster. And what that number looks like is, like I said, still being negotiated and debated. Um, as far as anything formal beyond that, um, I know that would be a desire for to have a X number of players beyond that number potentially be working out, playing, staying sharp, honing their skills. But I haven't heard anything more formal about it. It's been a while since I asked you a couple of injury updates. So do you have uh, any positive news on some of those who had been sidelined? I guess one that really pops into my head right away is Jordan Hicks, who uh, the last I heard he was throwing and was really showing some promise. How's your fireballer doing? 
Yeah, Jordan continues to, to make progress. He's um he's been in our complex recently and is on his way to St. Louis, maybe there as we speak. But um yeah, he's moving forward. Um, you know, they're always gonna have a day or two that you know, things aren't don't feel quite right, you don't recover as well as you'd like. That's just the nature of Tommy John. Um, so I know he's had a few days like that that are completely normal, but relative to recovery in in, in big picture, he's um He's been able to recover very well, and um, and and, and progress at a good play, at a good pace. And um, you know, clearly, uh, we're not going to rush him, um, but he is he is getting to, to a point where he's making strides. And Miles Michaelis has been getting treatment at the Jupiter Complex and has been able to throw a little bit. Last we talked about him was probably a couple weeks ago, where he said he was going to start to ramp it up a little bit in some of his throwing sessions. Is that going well for him? Yeah, you know, similar deal, feeling good, uh, recovering pretty well. You know, it's interesting whether Smiles, you know, of course Smiles has been coming off an injury, but, you know, all the guys are having, you know, they play catch or to ramp up their um, frequency, ramp up their intensity. You know, there's going to be some soreness to it, um, but that's more of a normal soreness. Smiles, it feels like, is is pretty much mostly, um, you know, recovered well and feels good about how the ball's coming out and you know there's probably been a day or so similar to Jordan where he's like yeah maybe not as not as clean a day um but just proves our human factor but by and large miles is in a positive trajectory and towards the end of spring training one uh Paul Goldschmidt was dealing with some elbow soreness when he was throwing uh how is he doing on that good he's doing really well um you know, he's been able to, to, to stay in uh, Jupiter and get treatment um, for our medical staff, and he's been able to ramp up his baseball activity. And, um, again, it's it's twofold, really. It's about, you know, how you get through the physical workout and then how you recover from it, and he's been able to do both pretty pretty effectively. I had uh, responded to a question on Twitter yesterday from MLB on Fox, Mike. They put out a question, who is the best? Let me see if I can find it. Who is the best DH in MLB? Was their question. Best DH. I responded, Dakota Hudson. <laughs> That's what I think. I mean, of. Uh, 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 yeah, exactly. I mean, Wayno, Dakota, Jack, yeah. Carlos, Miles, JK Pont. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I, I always want to be respectful of people's questions, but. Um, but I think we need to answer it because it looks like we're, we have a high likelihood. And, you know, we don't have to like some of the, the way the games play, but we need to embrace it. And uh, it looks like we're going to have the DH, so got to get our head around embracing it, and, and um, which we're thinking about clearly. But, you know, it's hard for me to say who the best is because we don't participate in too many American League games. But there's a lot of guys that can flat out hit that, that have DH uh, jobs in the American League that um, are elite elite major league hitters. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, that's, I gave him the National League answer. That's my DH right there, Dakota yep, Hudson. Um, let me uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, I, I want you to reminisce about a couple of things, but in particular, we're airing at noon, Game 5 of the 2006 NLCS. We're in the middle of the 2006 season. We'll talk about that club a little bit and also circle back to your team as it pursues the Cardinals' 12th World Championship. Hopefully get this season going so they can do that. Back in a moment on KMOX with Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. 
Now, back to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Just a few minutes left with Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, as we approach 1049. It's always great to have you on KMOX Radio. We are airing the 2006 NLCS and World Series, Mike, and what an incredible game. I mean, you think, uh, you look back at that seven-game series against the Mets. Wow, amazing stuff. They lose the first game. Two to nothing at Shea Stadium. You know that place gets revved up, so they're all fired mm-hmm. up. Cardinals come back the next day, and they fight them like you wouldn't believe. The Cardinals have a 4-4 game after an Edmonds home run. It's a 6-6 game after a Spezio RBI triple. This, to me, is one of the most underrated home runs in Cardinals history. It's a yep. nine-pitch at bat, ninth inning, 6-6 game. So to Gucci. Here's another for Taguchi. Swing a long one into left. Did he get enough? Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. So Taguchi has just given the Cardinals their first lead of the night. It is 7-6 as the young man from Japan touches them all. He turned a fastball around, hit it over the left field wall. What a phenomenal call by Mike Shannon, and what a moment, Mike. So Taguchi hits home. That changed the series because the Cardinals go on to win at 9-6. Now we got ourselves a series. It's 1-1 going back to St. Louis. Fun to listen to, isn't it? Yeah, so fun. Um, what a, you know, so that's some big moments for us. Clearly, that was a huge win. And, um, just steady, good quality player and um, winning type player, as Tony would say, and clearly demonstrated it there. You want to talk about unlikely home runs. Here's game three. Jeff Supon is the starting pitcher for the club. And then. Long one into left. Has he done it? Get up, baby. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Oh, home run off the top of the wall. <laughs> Supon has hit his first postseason home run. He touches them all. And the Cardinal bench will go wild. What was it about Jeff Supon that everybody loved, Mike? They loved being around him. Yeah, just an infectious personality, you know, a, a professional, um, really a good mix. And I went around him a lot, so it's hard for me to really um, elaborate too much on him. But, you know, Soup was um, got the most out of his talent, which I think always people appreciated. He was a really, really good competitor. Um, he was a really good teammate. He went to the competitor's point. He wanted to win. He was dialed into that, but he also enjoyed it. You know, he had a nice balance of, of competitiveness, get after it. You know, eyes dotted, T's crossed. Um, professional, good teammate. But hey, let's also, and you know, I can I can have a good time doing this in concert with that. Yeah, it's a great way to describe him. Cardinals won that game five to nothing. Went up two one in the series. But last night, the Mets came right back. They won it twelve to five at Bush Stadium and made it a two two series going into today. We're not going to play, or I don't want to spoil it for people, but I do want to let uh, Mike in on this conversation about this gentleman. This is the bottom of the six. The Cardinals are up three to two and a pinch hitter at the plate. Feliciano to the belt. 3 2 pitch to the plate. Duncan. Bring the home run of his fair. Goodbye, Mr. Baseball. That is a long pitch hit home run by the rookie, Chris Duncan, and it's 4 2 Redbird. He blasted it way over the right field wall. He did indeed. The rookie pinch hitter, Chris Duncan, hits a home run. Cardinals go 4 2, and they win the game 4 2. That's the game that you'll hear in its entirety today. We'll call it the Chris Duncan game, Mike. And what a, a gentleman he was. I, what I liked about Chris Duncan was that he could laugh at himself and poke fun at himself, and and uh, and we miss him very much. 
Yeah, God rest him. Um, <clears throat> beautiful soul. Um, you know, was able to have some big moments for us, that being one of them. But just a just a great family and, you know, just uh, left us too early. And we will carry through with that World Series starting this week. Game 5 is today. Game 6 and 7 will be Monday and Tuesday. Then we'll start the World Series on Thursday for uh, the Cardinals. And then we also go to, from 2006, we're going to bounce around through July 4th. We'll have all kinds of goodies for you from 1967 to 2012 through 14, and we'll have some fun with it. Mike, we appreciate it very much. Uh, We wish you safe travels to St. Louis. And again, uh, just, you know, that's exciting just to hear the fact that people are getting together and planning. We'll keep our fingers crossed that 2020 baseball is going to take place. All right, Tom. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day. Hope to see you soon. You too. There's the Cardinals manager. Always great to have him with us on KMOX Radio, and and we thank him very much for these Sunday shows as he continues to make his way to St. Louis today. In the meantime, uh, the baseball – let me just go to some of the numbers here just so you understand where they are before we uh, switch off to the news here at 11 o'clock. So there's a lot of money at stake right now. And the AP did an analysis that determined that some big market teams, Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers, would each save more than $100 million as part of management's proposal compared to the player's plan. So $36 million is what the highest paid players get, Mike Trout and Garrett Cole. Under the team's proposal, they would receive $5.6 million each. The players' unions proposal twenty five point three million each. So you can see the disparity there. It is a big gap right now. The Yankees, according to the AP analysis, would pay players one hundred fifty five million dollars under the unions plan, just forty eight million under management's proposal. So MLB management has proposed a six tier sliding scale, an eighty two game season where you would have salary reductions from anywhere from ten percent to just about ninety percent depending on how much money you make. The players countered with a prorated 114-game regular season schedule, prorated salaries stretching through October, and management rejected that. So that's where we are. And the last time they agreed on anything was March 26th, and that was when they agreed to accept prorated shares of their salaries during a shortened season. But for right now, they are not anywhere near that. We have heard plenty of reports that MLB might consider a 50-game schedule. Seems rather short. Seems certainly maybe something that would be hard to do in some markets. Maybe not. Consider this. The Washington Nationals, they were the world champions last season. And what did they do in 50 games? They went 19-31. and 31. They went 19-31. and 31 in their first 50 games. Then they went on to win it all. So I don't know. I mean, are the Cardinals equipped to go on a 50-game sprint? I think they are. Do they have the offense to do it? That remains to be seen. We'll see. Spring training showed some promise. They do have the pitching depth to do that. They could withstand that. They do have the defense, and I don't have any doubts about their defense being ready to go for a 50-game schedule if that were to happen. But, we are not close to that right now, and we're looking at a July 4th start to the season that doesn't appear realistic either. 
So it's it's going to be a very interesting next couple of days for the game of baseball. That's for sure. It's great to talk to Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. We have Cardinals president of baseball operations John Moselock right around the corner at 1130. Until then, we will hear the six-time Olympic medalist Jackie Joyner-Kersey. At 11.05 on Sports on a Sunday morning, she will be with me. Great to have you along, as always, on these Sundays. It's awesome to have you tuning in on KMOX or the KMOX uh, the app, radio.com app. You can use the rewind feature to go back to listen to any of the last hour or the last 24 hours, for that matter. Back after the news on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.